I invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 10 this morning. We've been listening to uh, Jesus through the words of the Apostle uh, as one who speaks with authority. We want to learn who Jesus is and why He has come, why we should give Him our attention and allegiance, then we need to listen to Jesus. And uh, the more we listen, the more we begin to understand um, that God's great rescue plan, this means of, of bringing human beings back into a relationship with Himself and restoring us to a place of peace and love and joy, to live as we've been made to live depends on Jesus. And it's fulfilled in Jesus. We've heard, I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. These are things that God must provide and things that God is um, as the great I am for His people. And that I am is what is coming from the very mouth of Jesus. And so you may recall from last week, Jesus asked a man born blind who had been kicked out of the synagogue, do you see? Do you see? Do you see that I am the one who has the power and the authority to give you what you need the most. He said, yes, Lord, I I see, I believe. And the Pharisees are standing around. These are the teachers, these are are the shepherds for the Jews at the time, and they heard this, and so they they take offense. They say, are you talking to us, Jesus? I mean, we we see what's going on here. And Jesus says, "It's, it's... because you think you see that you don't see. That your guilt remains. Because you do not see me for who I am. You don't see your need for me. So it's on the tail end of that discussion, right in the heels of that miracle, that we get to chapter 10. Jesus uses a familiar picture to warn and to comfort uh, his hearers. I mean, just consider the comfort it is for you and for me to hear our King, to hear our Savior say, I am the Good Shepherd. So John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life, and I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the enduring and holy word of our God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we ask your help in this moment as we hear this good word, a word perhaps we've heard many times before. We need your help now to understand it, to apply it faithfully. Lord, make us attentive in these moments. Speak faithfully through your servant. Guide us, Holy Spirit, and accomplish this word in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a fascinating experiment um, called the Still Face Experiment. It's an experiment used by uh, leading universities in their psychology departments or the focus on on child development and child parent health programs, but it's an experiment that it shows a a one-year-old child who has been placed in in a high chair in a small room, and and mom is interacting with this child and laughing and and saying the child's name and sort of, you know, squeezing her legs, and the child will point and and mom will look and and laugh at what's been pointed at, and, and there is just this delight on the child's face. You can tell this is this is the type of interaction that they've been made to enjoy. And then mom, mom turns away from the child to kind of gather herself, and she turns and her face is straight. No expression. And so the child laughs and, and reaches towards mom and, and even, even calls out, mom, mom, and, and no, no expression. And the child will point because that, that's worked. That's gotten her response. The child will point and, and she just stares blankly. And then you know, the child begins to get rest, trying to turn away. Maybe this will get mom's attention. Um, and then the child screams. Something isn't right. And finally the child breaks down and cries um, before mom turns again. And as I'm watching this experiment, um, certainly it shows important needs for young children. But I think it helps us understand human beings a little bit better. I see myself, I see all people in an experiment like this. We all come into this world looking for someone to interact with. We come looking for those who are looking for us. You know, who, who knows me? Who, who's calling my name? Who, who do I belong to? Who's going to be there when I need, need them the most? And then we get no answer, or it, you know, no one seems to be responding to our plea, or, or maybe we've been passively or actively rejected in those times of need, then we feel lost and we feel you know, confused. 
dejected, even angry. And so many of us will take this from our childhood right into adulthood and carry that hurt and that rejection, that anger, that all comes with us. So we may not be outwardly you know, screaming for that place of delight and, and acceptance and engagement. Like we hear the one-year-old screaming, but we're all, we're all screaming here. Screaming to be known, to be loved, to have someone say, especially those who are closest to us, I know you, I'm there for you. So Jesus uses this figure of speech, closest thing we have in John, to this parable style that we find in the other Gospels to explain to these religious leaders, to all with ears to hear who He is, but also it's an explanation that helps answer this question, a satisfying answer to that longing and that need that we all have. Who knows me? Who's calling my name? Who will be there for me? And several of the symbols associated with shepherding, uh, used in verses 1-5, through five, they're all introduced here. And then we, the response of Jesus is just you know, blank stares. They don't get it. And so Jesus goes on to explain these metaphors uh, a little bit more uh, in verses 7-18. through 18. He is the gate. He is the sheep gate. And He is the shepherd of His sheep. So we're going to look at each of these pictures and ask ourselves two primary questions. What does it say about the shepherd? What does it say about Jesus? And what does it say about uh, the sheep? Um, Sheep are are important creatures. They're valuable for those who own them and care for the sheep. Their their wool provides many different things. Clothes, blankets, can be used for lots of different purposes, provide meat. Uh, But sheep are also not very intelligent creatures. Um, Sheep wander off easily. They follow each other into danger. They're very vulnerable. They're very needy creatures. So when the Bible compares the people of God, past and present, to sheep, I'm sorry, but that's not a compliment. It fits well, but it's not something that we can be overly proud of. We are vulnerable. We're needy. We've heard this morning, we all like sheep have gone astray from the prophet Isaiah. Zechariah will later say, the people wander like sheep. They're afflicted for lack of a shepherd. The sheep need a shepherd. And anyone who has worked with sheep knows their need for a shepherd. Because there are, there are lots that want to get to the sheep for their own purposes. The predators want to come and feed on the sheep. There are thieves, robbers who want to steal the sheep. They must be cared for. They must be protected. And the way to do this was to keep the sheep together in a, in a sheep pen, pasture. And there are a couple different kinds of sheep pens in Palestine uh, during this time. The one that Jesus seems to have in mind here is a dwelling or a courtyard uh, near, near a home that's enclosed, closed by a stone wall. Sometimes there would be briars and other things on this stone wall just to, to be a deterrent for those who would want to get at the sheep. But one gate, one entrance into this courtyard where all the sheep would have to go in and out. And it would be the sheep of several different flocks from that community that would go into this courtyard for the night. And in the morning, the shepherds would come 
and start to talk, start to call uh, their sheep. Um, the other kind of sheep pen, uh, it was more of an open pasture, and it was, it was a much larger area that they could, could roam in, less protected, uh, but also a place where the, the sheep could uh, be watched by the shepherd. There, there's a story of a missionary who went uh, to Palestine. He observed the sheep out in one of these shep- uh, pastures, these larger pens. And he said there, were, there was a rock enclosure around it. It wasn't, wasn't as high, uh, but then that, that one space where the sheep could go in and out. And he, he asked the shepherd, well, how, how do you keep them from, from wandering away at night? How do, how do you protect them? Where, where's the door to this gate? And the shepherd looks at them and kind of, what are you talking about? I'm the door. That's where I sleep. I lie down right there. Anyone who's going to come into the sheep would have to come through me. The sheep are going to leave. They'd have to leave through me. So Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the door to the sheep. The only way to, to get to them is through me. The only way for a sheep to go in and out and find pasture, to enjoy pasture, is through me. And so those who want access to the sheep, who want to steal and destroy the sheep, they're going to try to get in some other way. They're going to try and get you know, over that wall or try and avoid that door altogether. We have one of these uh, little uh, ring doorbells on the outside of the, the church here. And with an account to that, I will often get little neighborhood watch you know, announcements. And then folks can post you know, a line or post a video from what their, their ring on, on the door has captured. And you'll get things like, you know, guard your animals from this guy, you know, tonight because there's a, a coyote or a fox that runs across that the, the camera catches. Um, well, not too long ago, I got a, a video and it shows a gentleman uh, coming up from one side of the door, but then he stops because he, could, he, he saw something. And he kind of looks around and and then he walked straight up, up the front yard. And then just a little while later, there was a posting saying, I had a package sitting there, and I, I think this, this gentleman may have come back. We don't know for sure, but the package was gone. So kind of keep your eyes out. But presumably, he, he had seen the door, what was there in the door, and found a way around it. Um, you know, it follows that thieves and robbers... Uh, verse 1, like the religious leaders, those that are standing around listening to Jesus, they're the ones entrusted to, you know, to lead and guard the sheep. The ones who should recognize who Jesus is. Instead, we see them belittling, we see them accusing, and actually kicking the sheep out of the synagogue. It's not Jesus. He does not shepherd this way. He is the gate. He's the sole means by which the sheep are protected uh, and find that pasture. They have, have life through Him and by looking to Him alone. This is verses 7 as well as verse 9. So Jesus doesn't say He's one of, of many gates. He is he's the only door to the sheep pen. We find similar words in uh, chapter 14, verse 6, where He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to save pasture. No other way to life eternal than through Jesus. So if that's true, 
If He is the only door, what does that say about us? What does it say about the sheep? Jesus is the entry point for God's saving grace. The gospel message that Jesus has come to live and die and take His life up again for His sheep. That's the beginning, the middle, the end of what we are to believe and live in light of as God's people. Chapter 3, John emphasizes this point. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So this is the most important and necessary door in all of human history. In all of creation. To go through the door, to come to Jesus, is to, to, to repent, to come in faith, to know life. Life of salvation, life of safety, satisfaction, under the care, under the protection of the shepherd. So here's where the pushback comes. Mostly from those outside the fold, but... You hear it among you know, the sheep or those who look like sheep. You say, come on, this is awfully arrogant. Not to mention unfair. How can you make such a claim you know, over all people everywhere? Like you, you've got it right and everyone else has it, has it wrong? No, the sheep can respond to that in any number of ways. But one is to say, well, it's not my claim. This is the claim of, of Jesus as the Son of God who is him, Himself the Creator of everyone and everything, the source of all that is true and good and right. I'm taking what He says and sharing it with you. We've just read that the only way to escape the wrath of God for eternity is to go through the door. To believe in the Son of God. So if that is if that's the only way to life, then why would you not take it? Why would anyone you know not want to go through that door? And so you see this argument that God is somehow unkind or unfair or sort of egocentric and providing just one way of salvation. It just doesn't stand. It's a non-starter. If there is cancer in your body and you need a blood transfusion to live, and the donor is found. You've waited and the one donor is found. You don't say, well, wait a minute, there's only one? I'm just going to wait. Hang out, see if, if we get a few more. No way. No, you're rejoicing. You're giving thanks. The donor has been found. There's hope. There's life. So, so that, that position is not, it's not a rational one. It's one of refusal. A refusal to see that we are actually sheep that we are vulnerable and needy. A refusal to confess sin and own the sin in our lives. So we're trying to go around the door. Deny the need for a Savior. Unless that Savior is ourselves. So as sheep, it's important to, to ask of our shepherds, those would-be shepherds, are they coming to the door? Are they coming through the door that is the Gospel? Is this door just as necessary for the shepherd as it is for the sheep? Many would-be shepherds trying to avoid the gate, get control of the sheep another way. It's hard not to think of the prosperity preachers 
uh, and teachers of our time, getting tremendous influence, gathering large audiences, the book sales, the blog posts, the social media platforms, um, trying to avoid or minimize the gospel of Christ, does great harm to the church. One commentator says they come with false motives, false methods to steal and destroy. So the sheep are scattered. They're left vulnerable. So sheep, we need to be watchful. And this comes through prayer. It comes through time in God's Word. We're keeping our, our eyes toward that sheep gate, listening to the voice of our shepherd. Uh, the sheep that, that enter by the gate, verse 9, says we'll be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Because the sheep are vulnerable and helpless, there is safety and protection through this door, through Jesus. There's also a satisfaction. The sheep will have life, have it abundantly. This is why Jesus came, verse 10. Later in, in 1 John 3, the Apostle says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. This is the life that Jesus gives. Freedom from the captivity of sin. The works of the evil one. So it's not just, a, this is where our minds go most of the time, that's just a quantity of days. You know, life in heaven for eternity. It certainly is that. It's what we think about. You know, the best is yet to come. And it's true, we need to keep that vision. But Jesus is speaking in the present here. There, there is a quality, not just quantity, but a quality of life. Satisfying quality uh, to the days for the sheep who are in the pasture. This is one of those verses, again, the prosperity teachers just love it. They say, see, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to prosper. So, you know, go for it. Name it. Claim it. Uh, drive out any doubt. But do it in the name of Jesus. Um, you know, this is Satan's favorite, one of his favorite strategies. One of his favorite delights. You know, to see, uh, I mean, just how it creeps into our thinking. The, 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 the cultural pressure. Um, doesn't God want me to be happy? Doesn't He want me to have fun? Following Jesus sounds like kind of a drag most of the time. It sounds like a lot of work. You know, I'd rather be doing something else, maybe anything else, than um, spending my time in God's Word or spending my time in study or serving with others or time in worship. Um, you know, I know how this applies to all, but I'm thinking of our, our younger ones. A lot of them are gone this morning, but not all. Those of you who are younger... You may think, I'll take Jesus seriously when I get older. I'll take Jesus more seriously when I know a little bit more. Or maybe I'll, I'll take Christianity more seriously when I've had my fun. There's a lot of fun to be had in those younger days. Um, this is what Satan would like. To see, see the younger lambs and the sheep just play along. Just play along. Go with mom and dad, play church. But you really just want to have fun and enjoy life. Um, following Jesus seems to, to cramp that style. Uh, well, you need to know that I'm praying for you, that your parents are praying for you, your church family is praying for you, that you would gain a heart of wisdom, that you would learn to number your days and seek the Lord Jesus in your younger days. 
There is freedom. There is life in obedience to Christ. Um, to the evil one knows that the patterns you establish when you are young, they are extremely hard to break when you get older. Um, if you ever are freed from them. Um, so if he can satisfy you with, with lesser things, with the pleasures, pursuits of, of this world, then he, he's got you in chains be enslaved to those idols and our hearts have no problem generating those idols. And they're never satisfied. They only, they only take from us. They only take more and more of life, but they do not give it. So what you think is the good life, the, the selfish pleasure, the pursuits that you've chased in your youth, you'll find them ultimately to be empty. They won't satisfy that deep need and longings of your soul. Jesus has come to grant life on this day. don't know how many of these days He's given us. So look to the gate. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He knows what you need. He knows what you need for life and a full, abundant life in Him. So these verses, they don't promise an abundance of earthly possessions or pleasures. We need to hear that. God may grant those things in His kindness and the responsibility that, that goes with them, but they're not promised in this verse or any others. God's placed us here, pilgrims on this journey, but our best life is not now. The best we have right now is just the hors d'oeuvres. A taste, a real, a real taste of the beauty, of the joy, the hope um, fulfilled with our Savior. But what's promised in these verses, it's a safety, a protection, a care of the one who will never leave. There is a peace, there is a deep joy now in walking with Jesus. Great meaning and purpose in following the shepherd wherever he leads, however he provides for you. Why? Because he's good. He is the good shepherd Verses 2 and 3. The shepherd comes to the gate, calls his sheep. So the different flocks are all mixed in. Remember that? But now their ears perk up. They hear a familiar voice. And begin to move toward the gate where the shepherd is. I actually saw this firsthand in Iowa. Went out to the, the Dirksen farm. They had kept sheep. And they invited us out to, to watch them shear the sheep. And Larry Dirksen would come up to the pen and and uh, you know the other kids would call. We were calling, you know, to the sheep. And some of his children, grandchildren, could call the sheep, and they just sort of meander around. And he'd go, "Sheep, sheep, come here, sheep!" And pew, they turn and they start walking. It's fascinating. The sheep know their shepherd. They recognize. They respond to his voice. Verse fourteen. It's later in verse twenty-seven. They can trust the shepherd. They can follow him. This wasn't always the case for God's people. We see the failure of shepherds in Israel over and over again. Here's what Jeremiah cries, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Again in Zechariah 11, woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. God is the true shepherd of his people. He leads them. He provides for them. 
He gives under-shepherds, those He appoints to represent Him and care for the flock, and they often, so often, fail. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, says the psalmist. You who lead Joseph like a flock, you are enthroned upon the cherubim. So we find a great contrast here between the unfaithful shepherds of old and those standing around Jesus even today. Only Jesus is the good shepherd, the model shepherd, cares for his sheep as God himself. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is Jesus. He has come to call, gather his sheep. From among the Jews, that's that's the immediate context here, and from all people, Around the world, they too will hear His voice. Come to Him when He calls. There would be one flock and one shepherd. That's the end goal. That is the mission of the Son. Go back to chapter 3. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. So there's how we know. What's the proof that He's the good shepherd? He lays down His life for the sheep. A hired hand isn't going to do this. He has no vested interest in the sheep. They don't, you know, they don't really belong to Him. He doesn't belong to them. So when danger comes, He's going to sacrifice the sheep for His own skin, to save His own skin, but not the shepherd. And the earthly shepherd was willing to, to risk his life for the sheep. Not to die intentionally, but at least be prepared to sacrifice but if that, if that shepherd went away or somehow the shepherd was killed, you know, the sheep are exposed. Okay? They, they too are going to die. But Jesus, the good shepherd, gives His life willingly. Not to leave the sheep exposed, but to give them life, to draw them near. The shepherd goes ahead of the sheep, leading, protecting them. Jesus is going ahead of His flock in the very moments He shares this word. He's going to the cross where He will give His life for the sheep, drive away their greatest threat, taking the death sentence for their sin upon Himself. He does this out of love for the sheep. Jesus loves His sheep as the Father loves Him. He wants to please His Father. He wants His sheep to know the Father's love. Isn't that a wonder? To think that Jesus loves us as much as the Father loves Jesus? That's the kind of love that that moves Him to the cross. As the English teacher A.W. Pink, he said it was not the nails, but the strength of His love to the Father and to His elect which held Him to the cross. So what else to say about us? These words along with Uh, Several others from John 6, John 17, John 18. um, They tell us that we are sheep long before we knew that we were sheep. Um, We are known of God and belong to Him before the foundation of the world. Uh, He's chosen His sheep out of His sovereign mercy. Uh, It can be no other way than this. Uh, Verse 3, verse 14, verse 27 here is a, a clear assumption that the sheep belong to the shepherd before he calls them. 
Okay, not as if by magic, at, at the sound of his voice, they suddenly become sheep. Um, I know my own, and my own know me. They're his sheep already, and now they're, they're responding to his voice. So there are many who struggle with the reality of God's sovereign election. And I want to be sensitive to that struggle. But the Bible's strikingly clear about this. If you and I are, are dead in our sin, we will not and cannot bring ourselves to life. We can't save ourselves. God must give life. He must change us. And a sovereign God does not try to do things. Those that He changes will respond out of His grace. So the question, you know, how do I know if I'm the elect of God, if I'm one of the sheep? First of all, it's not a very helpful question because it's not the gospel. Um, the gospel message is Jesus has lived, died, and taken His life up again for you. Repent and believe. That's the gospel. How do you know if you are the elect of God? Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you responded to Him in repentance and faith? The invitation is there. The call is right now. Don Barnhouse used a picture in one of his messages speaks right to this question. You know, Am I chosen? How do I know? Uh, he said, I want you to picture a cross and there's a door in that cross. And above that door, it simply says, whoever will may come. And so there you stand with the weight of your sin upon your shoulders, wondering, well, should I go through that door or not? And then finally you decide, yes, I'm going to go through that door. And so as you go through that door in the cross, the burden of your sin falls. And you're free. And you have a joy inexpressible. And you walk through that door and you turn around and written on the other side of that door are the words chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. When we respond in faith, when we find that we are secure in God's grace, we know it has been all along. And we worship. We worship. The true sheep follows the good shepherd. They hear His voice and respond to His word. Are you following Jesus? Are you devoting yourself to Him and to His Word? Are you too busy with the pursuits of this world? The priorities of my life, the priorities of your life should be resemble more and more the heart of Jesus, the attitude of our Shepherd who loves us. So Jesus says, I've called you by name. I am your Good Shepherd. I am the one who leads you. I will lead you through lush pastures and still waters. I will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death because I love you. I will not leave you. I will not abandon you or, or turn a still unresponsive face to you. Call to me. Reach to me. Follow me. And you will know the, the delight and acceptance and love that I have made you for. God has made us body and soul to interact, to, to delight in relationships with body and soul. You know, oftentimes we will hear, well, Jesus is enough. You just need Jesus. Um, and Jesus is our life. 
We live in union with Him. He's more than enough in the already. We live in the already and not yet of God's redeeming plan. So we have a longing. And the good relationships we have now, the physicality of those relationships, will only feed the longing to be near Jesus in body. To feel His arms wrapped around us in love and acceptance. We will not be fully satisfied until we're safe in the arms of our Good Shepherd. Until our faith is made sight. and He dwells with us in the kingdom to come. We're looking for that day while we follow the Good Shepherd today. Let's pray together. Oh, come Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Good Shepherd. Lord, come to Your flock. We need You. We depend on You now. We thank You that You have given Your life willingly. That we might be safe. That we can have life at this very moment and forever. Lord, grow our affection. Grow our delight in You. And that our, our lives would look more and more like the life to come, infused with hope and joy and contentment. Lord, You've told us there would be sorrow now, but that we will see You. We will hold You and we will rejoice. Thank You for feeding us now with Your living Word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.